Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into The Communist Manifesto, a pivotal work that has shaped political thought across the globe. Co authored by Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels in 1848, this manifesto outlines the core principles of communism, foreshadowing a world where the working class could overthrow the capitalist bourgeoisie to eradicate class struggles. Karl Marx, a German philosopher, has been a commanding figure in the domain of political theory, with Marxism standing as one of the most influential socialist ideologies. His extensive works, particularly Capital, have left an indelible mark on socio-economic discourse. Friedrich Engels, a notable writer and social scientist, was Marx's close collaborator and helped in articulating and refining the ideas that would become the bedrock of communist philosophy. The Communist Manifesto is an essential read for anyone employed by another, probing the dynamics of socio-economic hierarchies. It beckons those who ponder why wealth is disproportionately amassed by a small echelon of society and appeals to any individual with a remote interest in political systems and their transformative potential. This manifesto is more than a historical document. It's a lens through which one can examine the fabric of contemporary political and social structures. So join us as we explore the fervent call to action and the vision for a fundamentally different society laid out by Marx and Engels in a text that continues to resonate well into our time. The Communist Manifesto, Workers of the World Unite. Introduction, a stark look at the call for a classless society. Imagine a world riddled with stark inequalities, the opulence of a few built upon the backbreaking labor of many. A world where excess food is discarded with casual indifference while hunger gnaws at the empty stomachs of the poor. Think of the bloodied hands of child soldiers coerced into war for profit and the toiling mothers who stitch garments for pennies so the developed world can indulge in the luxury of affordable fashion. These scenes paint a vivid picture of the exploitation embedded in our capitalist system. It's against this grim backdrop that the call for communism echoes a philosophy birthed from the anguish of the working class oppressed by the relentless machinery of capitalistic production. This is the world that the Communist Manifesto dissects and challenges, urging us to contemplate an alternative mode of societal organization. Authored by two revolutionary thinkers in the 19th century, this manifesto presents a critical examination of the status quo and proposes a vision that pivots sharply away from the entrenched inequities of the time. Inequities which, disturbingly, still resonate in today's society. Listen closely, for in the ensuing narrative, you'll uncover the foundational pillars of communist ideology, insights into the oft-misunderstood concepts of property and class struggle, and a battle cry for those who seek to resist the pressures of bourgeois dominance. Part 1 the power behind the throne, tracing economic influence over society. Have you ever wondered why the corridors of power rarely echo with the voices of the impoverished, or why the sweat of labor isn't seen on the faces of those who hold vast tracts of land? It seems that a certain detachment separates the economically privileged from the grit and grind endured by the masses. 
The secret to this divide is deeply rooted in the dynamics of the economy. Throughout history, the trajectory of social order has been steered by economic tides. Put simply, the way we produce the essentials, our food, our homes, our means to move, acts as the heartbeat of societal change. Each significant alteration in the foundations of our coexistence has been sparked by a shift in these production methods. Consider the era when humans subsisted as hunter-gatherers. Each small group could only fend for its own needs, essentially leveling the playing field among them. Fast forward to the agricultural revolution, which reaped an excess of produce, enabling the once equal communities to engage in trade and, in turn, sparked the inception of class hierarchies. Those who mastered the food supply chains inevitably climbed the social ladder, commanding those who toiled beneath. This pattern of economic dominion, dictating societal structure, has spanned the ages, with the class in control of wealth wielding the reins of political power. From the Roman empires where slaves were bereft of property rights, to the feudal societies of the Middle Ages, where the serfs were shackled to the land owned by the nobility, every epoch showcases this economic straitjacket. The relentless push and pull between the oppressors and the oppressed, the essence of class conflict, has been the engine driving the locomotive of human history. This immutable connection between control over production and societal power reveals a sobering truth. Wealth not only builds empires but also fortifies the thrones of influence. Part 2. The Modern-Day Monarchs The Rise of the Industrial Capitalist Class Long gone are the days when the regal grandeur of kings and the ecclesiastical authority of the church dictated the course of our lives. Their once towering influence has dwindled, passing the scepter to the titans of industry and commerce, the bourgeoisie, today's rulers of the roost. But how did such a seismic shift in power transpire? This transformation unfolded in the aftermath of feudalism's demise. Feudal societies were marked by land as the primary means of production, which was controlled by monarchs, aristocrats, and the clergy. Peasantal subservience was the norm, with land access, and by extension, survival, coming at the cost of servitude to those who laid claim to the soil. Enter the revolutionary fervor of the 18th century industrialization. New methods of production lured agrarian workers away from the manorial fields and into burgeoning factory gates, setting the stage for the disintegration of the old social fabric. Yet while the landscape of labor shifted, the pattern of oppression remained stubbornly unaltered, giving rise to a fresh dominant class, the bourgeoisie, whose fortunes rode on the back of industrial capital. The ascension of the bourgeoisie heralded a shift from the dictates of feudal lords to the competitive gusto of the free market, where self-interest became the new creed. Nonetheless, the age-old hierarchy persisted in a fresh guise. Workers now sold their labor not for a patch of earth, but for wages falling embarrassingly short of the wealth they generated. Let's envision a worker assembling a chair in a modern factory. His remuneration is but a sliver of the chair's selling price, leaving a sizable surplus to fatten the bourgeoisie's coffers, thereby amplifying their clout. Furthermore, 
the bourgeoisie's insatiable appetite for more capital knows no bounds, driving them to scour the globe for new markets to conquer. This relentless quest has catapulted capitalism to the forefront, branding it as the economic doctrine that defines our era and cementing the bourgeoisie's stranglehold over our society. Part 3. From Suppression to Solidarity. The Working Class Awakens. In the modern saga of society, the once all-powerful monarchs have ceded their thrones, not to an equalizing force, but to the bourgeoisie. Consequently, a new underdog has emerged from the shadow of progress, the proletariat or the working class. Gone are the days when toil and sweat would yield the fruits of one's own labor. Instead, the modern worker is entangled in a web spun by industrial owners. The laborer's worth is measured not by skill or effort, but by the bare minimum wage that ensures the turning of the factory wheels a wage meted out not out of compassion, but from the necessity of keeping the engine of industry churning. As the proletariat trades its labor for sustenance, it becomes akin to a commodity, valued only as long as it benefits the bourgeois coffers. As machines hum and whistle in the industrial orchestra, the worker's individuality fades into a grim monotony, just another cog in a vast capitalist machinery. Ironically, the very system that subjugates the proletarians also unites them. In the cacophony of factories and urban sprawl, workers find themselves converging, with divides among them dissipating in the face of shared hardships. The Industrial Revolution, which once dehumanized them, has inadvertently sown seeds of camaraderie as they realize the undeniable truth. Their liberation lies in solidarity. While the harsh realities of capitalism pit workers against each other in a desperate scramble for livelihood, the flickers of unity are igniting a collective consciousness. The proletariat is slowly but steadily consolidating into a formidable revolution in the making, a unified body set to challenge the towering edifice of bourgeois dominion. The struggle is age-old, its rhythms echoed in the history of the exploited. Yet, as the tides of unionization rise, there's a simmering revelation amongst the capitalist class. They have unwittingly nurtured the architects of a future that could very well spell the end of their era of abundance. The gravediggers, it turns out, are the workers they've oppressed, and the bourgeoisie might just hear the first shovels strike the earth. Part 4. Forging a New Dawn. The Common Crusade of Communists and Workers. The indignation of the proletariat is palpable, like a smouldering ember waiting to blaze. But what is the next step? How can this simmering discontent be channeled into a movement capable of reshaping society? Enter the communists. They have a blueprint in mind. The communists are determined to rally the proletariat under one banner, transcending regional skirmishes and local trade unions that, though fervent, lack the scale to combat the globally entrenched and interconnected bourgeoisie. With a chorus of voices from various working-class parties and organizations worldwide, the communists propose a universal struggle that knows no borders. Their goal? To forge a unified proletariat with international sympathies, capable of confronting a global economic juggernaut. Central to their agenda is the contentious issue of private property. To the layman, 
the notion that one's labor powers the ascent to private ownership under capitalism is a sacred axiom. The widespread belief is that property rights are the engine that fuels productivity, that their absence spells economic doom. Yet, for the proletariat, the fruits of toil never ripen into personal wealth. Their wages, a pittance doled out for subsistence, fails to accumulate into capital. Instead, the wealth accrued enriches only those perched at the pinnacle of the economic pyramid, the bourgeoisie. Thus, the proletariat inadvertently crafts the very chains that bind it to servitude under capitalism. Given this paradox, the communists assert there's no logical ground for private capital under proletarian governance. Since society collectively contributes to capital creation, why shouldn't society as a whole claim its dividends? The communist conviction is clear and urgent. The proletariat must rise, disrupt the ruling bourgeoisie, and seize the levers of political power. Only thus can the labor of many translate into a shared prosperity, diffusing wealth across all strata of society. The dawn of that new day hinges on the proletariat's audacity to wrest control and embark on a journey towards collective ownership and an equitable dispensation of power. Part 5. Blueprint for Revolution. The Manifesto's Radical Cornerstones. To navigate the passage from an era of inequality towards the shores of a communist utopia, the international communists lay down a decalogue of radical imperatives. Land ownership, a pillar that reinforces class divisions, must undergo a drastic transformation. The appropriation of all land for the collective good and the utilization of rental incomes for public welfare is mandated. Wealth has a notorious reputation for trickling upwards, creating chasms between the affluent and the rest. To combat this, an escalating tax rate is prescribed, a tax that intensifies as wealth ascends. The practice of inheritance, often a channel for perpetuating affluence within select circles, is to be dismantled. No longer will wealth be handed down as a birthright, but rather it will dissolve into the communal pool. The introduction of absentee property confiscation aims to reclaim the assets of emigrants and opponents of the proletarian cause, thereby nullifying their disconnected claims. The credit sector, operating on capital with scarce direct contributions to production, is slated for a makeover. The establishment of a state-owned national bank, underpinned by state capital, will monopolize credit. Mobility is to be made a societal charge, a commonwealth commitment. Transportation will thus fall under the centralized guidance of the state, ensuring access and efficiency for all citizens. Fallow fields are an affront to potential prosperity. To this end, the state is tasked with ramping up the use of existing production instruments, to rehabilitate idle lands and fortify the soil. In a system where few reap the rewards of the multitude's labor, it is imperative to realign work dynamics. A universal work obligation, supplemented by the creation of industrial and agricultural armies, is proclaimed. To dismantle the divide between urban and rural lives, a meticulous redistribution of inhabitants is envisaged blurring the lines that have historically segmented society. Lastly, 
the trajectory of our lives often takes shape in the crucible of childhood. In recognition of this truth, free education in state schools is enacted, while the industrial exploitation of children is unequivocally abolished. Part 6. The Robust Defense of Communism Against Common Critiques Not surprisingly, the audacious proposals for societal overhaul advocated by communists haven't escaped criticism. Yet these objections often rest on shaky grounds and a double standard. Let's unpack some of these common grievances. The first charge levied against communism is an alleged onslaught against the family unit due to the advocacy for public education. Critics decry this as an erosion of traditional familial ties. However, a glance at capitalist societies reveals that these age-old bonds have already been frayed by the relentless demands of the marketplace. The fabric of the family is worn thin as mother's clock in endless hours at work and childhood innocence is bartered for labor in the bowels of factories. Communism simply envisages liberating education from the clutches of the ruling class's influence. Nationality is another bastion, supposedly under communism's attack, with accusations that it strips workers of their patriotic identity. Yet the query arises. What nationality can the proletariat claim when they are primarily defined by their subjugation and labor? Nationalist rhetoric doesn't echo the workers' reality. In fact, communists don't aim to snatch away a non-existent possession. Instead, they foresee a world where national lines are blurred, paving the way for a civilization unified by common struggle and standardized experiences facilitated by global trade. Then comes the concern that communism would jeopardize religion, and in truth, it might. To the extent that religious doctrines have historically been manipulated to uphold the elite's supremacy, be it in feudal realms or capitalist dominions. Therefore, if religion is intertwined with systems of oppression, its dissolution becomes part and parcel with the broader revolution. These criticisms, while prolific, do little to undermine the core tenets of communism. They reveal a misunderstanding, or perhaps a willful ignorance, of the proletarian movement's principles and aspirations, highlighting the pertinence of a clarion manifesto that elucidates the communists' vision. Final summary. Throughout the annals of history, a recurring motif emerges. The clash of those who wield power and those subjugated under its weight. This perpetual conflict has reached its zenith in the industrial age, wherein the working class endures the brunt of exploitation at the hands of a capitalist elite, the bourgeoisie. Commanding this struggle are the communists, who champion the cause of the proletariat with a singular goal, to weave a new worldwide tapestry of solidarity. Their strategy hinges on a revolutionary reconfiguration of production and the subsequent redistribution of socio-economic power. In this grand design, the proletariat is the vessel of transformation, propelled by the promise of a classless society where equity and justice are not mere ideals, but tangible realities. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, 
please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.